And here we go again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpott. I'm your host this evening, and I'm shortly to be joined by Tim Richards, Ian Noble, and the ledge, of course, the ledge, which is Jim Cannon. Uh, Jim, welcome back, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be back. Yeah, good to see you, mate. Sorry. Uh, good evening to everybody out in Facebook land. Ian, uh, nice to see you again, mate. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, how are you? You well? I'm good. I'm really good. And Tim Richards, not in New Zealand anymore. Back in New no, Zealand. You all right, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Good to see you uh, all. So obviously coming up on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about uh, the winner at home to Wolves uh, during the week and also uh, yesterday's debacle up at Goodison Park. But we'll come on to that later in the show. I want to start off by, uh, Ian, can you say keep your eye on the chat for us, mate? And see yeah, if you can some mellow for us. And Ian, I want to talk to you and... First of all, congratulate you and every single Palace fan that headed north yesterday. Tell them about your return journey. Oh, my goodness me. Um, it was a journey from hell. It really was. Um, first of all, we actually had to walk from Goodison to Lime Street, which was two and a half miles. Couldn't get a taxi. Uh, just about made our train, which uh, went to Birmingham New Street. Uh, and then it was one of these... Um, it was, it, you know, it wasn't an Avanti intercity train. It was a, it was like a commuter train. It was absolutely mobbed. So I didn't get a seat. Uh, but I was chatting to a really nice Everton fan. I've got loads of stories about him. Uh, and then when we got to New Street, we found out that our connection at New Street um, had, um, had been cancelled. So I met a few other lads there that I knew. And then we decided we're going to jump on a Bournemouth cross-country train. Uh, that went via Reading. So we jumped on that, met a few other nice people on that train, uh, got off at Reading and just about made the connection into Paddington. Um, get to Paddington, uh, pick up the Soka line, round to Victoria, uh, and then back to Sussex, um, probably about midnight in the end. So, uh, you know, left the ground at just after five and got back home to uh, the southeast at midnight on five trains on the way back and four on the way up. That's so that was our journey. That is ridiculous. And that was all to do with the, was it the Avanti manager's strike or something, wasn't it? Something like that. I don't know. I'd lost interest by then. But, uh, but yeah, we made it in the end. But it was, it was, we did talk about driving and we changed our mind at the last minute. Um, with hindsight, maybe we should have driven. But hey ho, we didn't. We got the train and it was, uh, it was an experience for sure. It really was. But um, I'm, I'm absolutely knackered today, 18 hours. And, and then we lost 3 0 as well. So, not much fun, really. And that's, the bit, and that's the bit that would do my nutting is the fact that you've gone all that way, okay, and <laughs> sticking a performance like they did. We'll come on to that later on. Uh, Nigel, I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you realise, but uh, for some reason, a couple of us keep dropping off. So well done for Ian for talking all the way through that. We're going to start off with, with some news from around the club. Um, and the big news coming out of Sellers Park on Thursday, I believe it was, was the fact that the planning permission, I said to you last weekend that I thought it was, it's more of a, a rubber stamping uh, scenario, which proved to be the case because the the revised plans for Sellers Park were unanimously unanimously uh, passed, and which is giving us the final green light. I know it's got to go to the mayor's office, but that's also just uh, that's already been rubber stamped up there once, and it's, it's got to go up there just for the uh, amendments to be passed, which is nothing. It will happen, uh, and it looks as though finally. It's going to happen. And then Crystal Palace Football Club's updated planning application for the new main stand at Sellers Park has been appro approved by Croydon councillors. 
paving the way for a transformation of the stadium. Croydon's planning com committee first gave a uh, the application the green light four years ago, but it was delayed due to COVID and the club submitted minor adjustments to the scheme to adhere to the new uh, London plan requirements. The main stand will overhaul Sellers Park, which has been the club's home since 1924, transforming the matchday experience and providing new year-round community facilities. Crystal Palace Chairman Steve Parrish said, I would like to thank Croydon Council for their continued support for the stadium redevelopment, which will bring substantial investment into the borough, as well as bringing new life into Sellers Park. It's been our long, it's been our ambition to extend and mo uh, modernise Sellers Park, making it our home fit for the 21st century. We would like to have uh, got the pro project started sooner, but our plans were delayed by financial constraints caused by the COVID pandemic. And in the last couple of years, we've been focusing on bringing our exciting academy development to fruition. But our attention will now turn to the stadium project. Boys, your thoughts on the stadium redevelopment plans? Uh, Tim, let's go to you first. Yeah, it's very exciting, isn't it? You know, um, it's been going on long enough. Disappointed that it's taken as long as it has to get to where we are, of course. Um, you know, during the COVID pandemic, it would have been an ideal time to put a shovel in the ground and stop building it. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, in the chat, we got... Um, Mark Callaghan said about time, was thinking it would be better to move if it didn't happen. Mark, I agree with you, and I was thinking exactly the same um, if, if, if we didn't go ahead. But if he does go ahead, it gives us another, what, 9,000 on the capacity, um, which is really important to the revenue of the, of the club going forward and obviously enhances that match day experience for everybody. So, you know, let's hope now we've been given the green light, we just press on uh, and make it happen as soon as possible. You're on mute, Nick. Do you have a lot of your thoughts, please, on the development? Because I'd, uh, obviously you do your match day uh, meet and greets in, in Speroni's bar. Uh, you'll be, should be in for a pay rise this time now. <laughs> yeah, you tell that to the chairman. Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I think most fans are excited by what we see. Uh, but how long it's going to take? I mean, the way I look at it, it's... I probably won't be doing that job by the time they finish building it, but you never know. I mean, it looks fabulous. It would be good for the club. Uh, an extra eight, 9,000 people. Although I get the feeling that it will be more for corporate fans than the ordinary fan. But uh, I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. But it's certainly uh, it's nice to see that it's maybe progressing, especially when the chairman starts talking about sorting out sort of tenders and building companies. So it's uh, it looks like a, a nice step forward. So, but how long it will take? I mean, I'd love to be there while it's, uh, when it's finished, but you never know with these things. I thought you might be tenders it, mate. <laughs> no, no, I think that's slightly bigger than anything I've ever done. <laughs> uh, Tim, they said, somebody asked in the chat a minute ago about, well, how are we going to fund it? Tell them what you know. Or what we would discuss pre-show. So yeah, so that's it's it's a good question. I do like Mark Callaghan's suggestion of Cannon's Bar in the new stand. I think there'd be uh, a lot of takers for that. That'd be good. Um, but yeah, like before when we were talking about it, I had a concern. You know what happened at Arsenal and Spurs when they built their stands or updated them? In what effect that would have on bringing new players in? But uh, Uncle Nick uh, kindly informed me that apparently I think it was. 100 million has been ring-fenced four years ago um, towards this. So hopefully 
that shouldn't have an effect if they even go out and look for any new players. I'm sure they will. And Jim, obviously, you do your match days, as I just said, in Speroni's, which the nice, nice segue there into the news about Julian Speroni. Julian Speroni is coming back to the club to work with the kids in the goalkeeping capacity. Uh, he will work with the under-18s and the under-21s full-time, having supported in an informal coaching capacity over recent months. The club's most played goalkeeper, John Palace, from Dundee in 2004 and went on to make 405 appearances in a remarkable 15-year period. 405, Jim. How many did you do, mate? Uh, 660. Yeah, you can't. You can get out of bed for 405 appearances. <laughs> I would for the money he's on. <laughs> he was able to play the season a record-breaking four times, including in his role in 2009 2010 survival season and our first campaign back in the Premier League. Big news. I, I think that's, I mean, there was a photograph. I don't know if you guys ever saw the picture. There was a, a very sad looking picture of Julian Speroni standing outside the perimeter fence at Beckenham one day, watching the players train after he retired. He cut a really lonely figure and it's as though he was pining to get to the other side of the fence. Well, I think it's brilliant news. And you, Ian? Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. You know, it's great, isn't it? And uh, his wife, Marina, she's very active on social media with her paintings of Sellers and Palace stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, she's been talking a lot on social about Julian coming back to the club, which is, I think, how I first heard about it, not through the club at all. Um, so it's, it's great news. And he's really one of our own, isn't he? Like Jimmy's, of course. And uh, it's really good that he's um, doing what he's doing. Okay, and talking about one of our own, Wilfred Zaha, the Patrick Vieira drops a little bit of a little bit of a hint that maybe, just maybe, there's something going on, or likely to be something going on regarding his contract, which we all know expires in June. He's free as he's a free agent to talk to other uh, European clubs come January. Uh, obviously, we know how he, uh, what we feel about him. We know he's got the club in his veins. Uh, the reporter asked him a question. Okay, this is Vieira. This is what he. Uh, this is what he went on to say. No, it's not an issue at all. Um, Wilfried knows what the club think about him, and we know what he think about the club. There will be a discussion taking place, but for myself and for the club, what is important is for him to play at this level and to be consistent and to help those young players around him to grow. And uh, and we'll see what, what will happen. Um, I know his contract is up at the end of the season, but with his performances like that and the leadership he's showing on and off the pitch, which I think is really an important point to discuss, you know, he's a valued men member of the team. He's now a senior member of the playing staff. Jim, from your perspective, and you obviously you were a senior a member of the playing staff for many years, front and back of house, how important is it is would your role be or Wilf role be for the youngsters like Elise and Eze and so on and so forth? Well, <clears throat> very important in the sense that you've just said he's a senior player. Uh, he's played loads of games at the, that level. And you've got these young lads. And I think his performances and the way he's working at the moment can only brush off on the young lads like Eze and Elise. Uh, he's 
he's he's got a lot of knowledge of the Premier League, and uh, he's he's doing exceptionally well for us at the moment. And uh, and people, lots of the players in the team will be looking up to Wilf. At times when they want things done, they they look give the ball to Wilf. We'll get something out of him. But yeah, I think just by the way he goes about things. Uh, I mean, if he was, I mean, sometimes he gets a bit distracted and he sort of. He looks as if he's sulking a little bit. But that that was probably more last year than this year. <clears throat> and if he did that when in front of younger players, it, it might brush off a little bit. But a great example for the young players at the moment. And uh, he's I'm not so sure about Patrick's words were anything sort of uh, intentionally saying that he's going to stay. I think he said that any other manager would say, We'd love to keep him, but we'll see how things go. Uh, personally, I'd love to see him stay, but a free agent and the money that's an offer these days. And I think he's shown that with better players, he's a much better um, player himself. Uh, over the last few years, he's played with players that were not as good as what we've got at the moment. And he didn't show the way he's shown now. So he might be thinking, well... I could go to a better team, no disrespect to Palace, uh, with better players, and my job might become even a little bit easier. But uh, hopefully he'll stay with us. I mean, it's uh, it's a big decision for him. You know, he's, he's what, 29, 30. So it will either be his last move or he's going to stay at Palace and, and run his time down. So it'll be interesting to see. But he's, he's a good leader at the moment and he's a good example to some of the players on the park. Ian, I'm coming to you right now. Before, before I do, Jim, I want to test your grey matter a little bit. In your time or in your later years at Palace, who do you remember? What players would you say that you particularly took under your wing? What youngsters came into the squad and you thought, these guys need a bit of nurturing, understanding the Palace ethos, the Palace way? Any of those stick out in your mind? Well, we had lots of when when I was twenty five. We had lots of twenty year olds coming in, so I suppose they were looking up to to me. Uh, you, Dave Swindlers, Paul Hinswood, Kenny Sampson, Vince Allaire, Jerry Murphy, Peter Nicholas. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think you take them all under your wing, and you give them the same amount of stick as you give anybody else. But uh, they're all good players. Whether they benefit from my sort of moaning at them, I don't know. But yeah. We, we had loads of players in them days. Mate, what a team that was. What yeah, team, wasn't it? What a what? team you just ran through. The what? names, they just reel off your tongue. They're just brilliant. Awesome, yeah. Good on you, man. Good on you, man. Uh, Ian, over to you. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add about Wilf. I thought I thought the interview <laughs> after the Wolves game was excellent. Um, I really enjoyed watching it back. And, uh, uh, yeah, clearly he uh, he takes his responsibilities seriously as a, as a more senior player. Um, you know, and I, I like the way he talked about the team, you know, it being important. Uh, and it's not just about him anymore. If it ever was about him only, it probably wasn't. But it just sort of felt like that a little bit previously. And, um, you know, he, he talked about the fact that, you know, I, I will dribble with the ball less. You know, I need dribble when I have to. And if you sort of understand that a little bit more, because every time he gets the ball, you want him to take players on and beat them. But he's not going to do that every time. It's about finding the right pass, you know, to build the move. And, uh, and I think we saw that in the Wolves game, especially not so much yesterday, but, you know, we saw that in the Wolves game, the way he managed to find the pass 
by not necessarily going forward down the wing and getting the ball over, but but getting it across the field and then you know building from there rather than um, you know making it look as, as if it's all about Wilfred Zaha, which of course it isn't. Of course, um, boys, please keep your eye on the chat, Jim. There's a question in the chat for you, mate. Uh, and we will do the we will cover the Wolves game and the Everton game in a minute. But while we've got Jim on the show, we've got to ask him the, the questions when they come through. Jim, Facebook users asking, do you actually meet up with any of the players? I think we've asked you this before. Uh, yeah, from time to time. Uh, Ian Evans come and stayed with me a couple of weeks ago, him and his wife, Jen, um, my old centre-half um, partner. Uh, I obviously see players come to the games. Gavin Neblin, I played golf with him last week and he was actually in Spironi's uh, for the Leeds game. Um, so, yeah, I, like you bump into players all the time. Um, as far as having a drink with them, Normally, it's something that's organised, and you might sort of whatever's going at the time. But uh, yeah, I see them from time to time. But you've got to remember, most of them are probably all over the country. So, sure. sure. Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, a bit of news from the Red. That is the Palace news. Who cares about the newsstand? Who cares about Wilfred Zaha's contract? We have a bit of news on Red and Blue Review. Uh, you may well remember over the last couple of years. We've been running an in-house, a, a close to the Red and Blue Review family, a predictions league for the season, last season and the season four. It's a bit of a fundraiser for Red and Blue Review, but it's also a lot of fun and a lot of, let's say, how can I say it without swearing when it's aimed at me? A lot of Mickey taking coming my way, okay, so because I'm, I tend to be bottom of the league. Um, so and, and everybody loves it and take, uh, takes the takes the piss out of me a little bit, uh, which I, I don't mind. Um, we are doing a new one, just a short burst one for the World Cup. We've, we've obviously got what three games left is it in before the World Cup? Yeah, uh, two away, one home, and we are doing one right now. So if you look. There you go. Very simply, chuck in your email address at the bottom of the screen, okay? Right now, message any of us or put it in the chat right now. We'll pick it up after the show. And what can happen with your email address, it stays completely in-house. It doesn't go out on social media. It's just staying here with us, okay? And what happens is Ian Lyons will then email you probably sometime tomorrow with a joining sheet. And all you've got to do is fill out your details, your name and everything else, pay him the 20 quid, which is your joining fee. There's cash prizes uh, through the tournament. I think it's cash prize. I can't remember. Cash prizes through to the quarterfinals, cash prizes through to the semifinals, and obviously an overall winner at the end of the tournament. So get on board. Stick your stick your email in. Uh, see, Tony Nichols has already done it. Thank you, Tony. Uh, red and blue review. That's red, then the capital N, blue review at outlook.com. Red and blue review at outlook.com. Yeah. Uh, or stick it in the chat right now and we'll pick it up at the end of the show and pass them on to Ian. Ian, I send it out. Expect an email from me tomorrow. Please respond to that email because once you're in, you're in and we're going to have a little bit of fun with it, okay? So, uh, as I say, most of it's at my expense, but I don't care. Uh, right, so, boys, have I captured everything? I think I've captured everything. Let's move on to the uh, game on Tuesday evening. Um, before you get... Before Ian goes into his notes, I'm going to throw a little bit of... Yeah, we'll do that a little bit later, mate. Um, I'm going to throw in a little bit of 
concern. I've got a little bit of concern creeping my way, and it will all come become evident during the course of the show that a that we keep coming back uh, from being a goal down uh, to win the home games, and b we can't win away. Okay, little bit of concern that the those two subjects don't seem to be addressed. I do take into account that yesterday, of course, Decore was missing and he's a pivotal part of our midfield. I get that. Okay. I do get, I also take it that the manager wasn't back so much in the transfer window. I get that. Okay. But with the players we got, and we've got some long-term injuries as well, get all of that. Okay. But I'm still concerned that those two subjects aren't being addressed by the manager. Okay. Or the coaching staff. Ian, if you'd be so kind, I'd like you to talk through a Wednesday evening, a Tuesday evening, if you don't mind, while I take a bit of a breather and a drink. Okay. No worries at all, Nick. Yeah. Um, Listen, Tuesday evening seems like a long time ago now, but um, uh, you know it's three points. Of course, you know we managed to uh, grind it out in the end. Uh, there's the lineup on the screen for you uh, to remind you of uh, how we started off on Tuesday evening. Um, we um, we had very even possession, um, fifty-one to forty-nine, fourteen shots to their ten, uh, four each on target, four three on corners, and similar amount of fouls on the pitch. So, you know, it was a fairly even game. It was a well-balanced game, really. Um, you know, Wolves haven't been that great recently, um, but they've got some good players. We know they've got quality. Um, I saw in the chat earlier someone saying that Wolf has come up against some good fullbacks recently. Uh, Nelson Semedo was no exception um, on Tuesday evening. He, I thought he played a really good game against Wolf. It was a good battle um, down, the, <coughs> down our left side. Um, Unlike other games recently, the Leeds game being a good example, we didn't start slowly. We started on the front foot. We started okay. Um, we caused them problems early doors. Um, the Kure shot, they hit the post. If that goes in, you know, we're all raving about it, aren't we? It was a fantastic effort on goal. Um, and it, and it, they were chances at both ends. Um, Costa had a chance, of course. You know, he was through. A good save by uh, Vincente Guita. Um, Gihi headed uh, wide from uh, an Elisi cross which, again, was um, not far away. So, you know, we were knocking on the door. And then um, Eberetje Eze had a free kick. He had a couple of free kicks in the game. But that one in particular, while it was still nil-nil, um, was probably the closest of, of, of the two. Um, and then they scored. And I think Nigel's got a graphic of this um, for their goal. There was a huge amount of space on our left-hand side. Look at that. Look at the amount of space on um, our right-hand side, sorry, uh, and their left and their their fullback. I think it was only his. I think it was his first start for Wolves, uh, number sixty four. Um, and he got down the left flank and got a beautiful ball across. And um, their lad, who was um, well renowned for a, a, was at the far post, and it was a very easy chance to score. Uh, not much we could do about it once the ball went into the box. And you know we'll find ourselves having having sort of dominated the early exchanges. We find ourselves one nil down. Um, but I, I guess it does show an element of um, resilience and spirit that we can come back from a goal behind. Um, Wilf then fired over from the left. Um, and then they had the free kick on in the final minutes of the first half. And I think if that had gone in for 2-0, that could have broken us a little bit. Um, I think it was a bit fortunate to get the free kick. But nevertheless, they hit the post and then it's suddenly half time. Um, and whatever... Patrick said at half time, it sort of worked, didn't it? Because we came out again on the front foot very much um, and uh, scored immediately. Um, you know, it was Wilf that started the move. Wilf picked the ball up in the central position. So he was playing more centrally. You know, he, he drifted in 
from the from the left hand side. He picked the ball up in a central position, passed it out to Elise, and it was a perfect cross. And you can see from the graphic there, um, Eberache is at the far post. Perfect header to beat a, to beat a good goalkeeper from there. So suddenly one all, and although it's, we're back level again, you know the, the confidence. You know, you know, you feel it, don't you? If you if you come from behind to to equalise, you know, it, it feels better than if you've if it's the other way round. Um, and then there was that wonderful moment, wasn't there, when when Wilf took on four players and, and kept the ball. Now let's I think haven't we? Have we got a clip of this, Nige? If he can find And if that goes if that goes in, that would have been a worldie. And they've talked about the season that. if that goes in. What yeah, a fantastic they, effort. They would have talked about it for about three seconds on match of the day, wouldn't they? Yeah, who knows? But that was a, just a brilliant move, wasn't it? It was a, you know great to see, and uh, it was so close to going in. Um, and then we score um, again. It was uh, Eze and Edward was involved. It was a beautiful ball from Eze actually down the left hand side to play in Odson Edward, um, who pulled it back for Wilf. Central position again, and you know he got into the right position. Never going to miss from there. Two one on the seventieth minute, and we saw the game out. So you know they they did put a bit of pressure on. They had one chance, didn't they? I think it was offside anyway when their centre half you know, missed an open goal virtually in the dying seconds. But you know really pleased with yeah. Was this in the Wolves game? This is yeah. They reckon they 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 call for handball here with this, but. <coughs> not uh, right. not for me, so Ian, hold that, hold that thought yeah. from a defender's point of view. Uh, Jim, to you, was that a handball? Of course not. It's at his knee. Look, <laughs> if, even if it's his knee, where, where can he put his hand? Where, where, like they've, they've got this thing now that you got to put your arms behind your back, and then they turn round and say, if you like where his hand is now, they, they try to say that's in an unnatural position. Surely the hand behind the back is the most unnatural position going when it comes to defending. So, no, I don't think that was apparently at all. No, I mean, his he's, he's hand by his knee. Where is he going to put it? If he puts it out wide, that's going to be apparently. So he can't get it any further. You can't play football with your hands behind your back. These idiots that keep saying his hand was in an unnatural position when he's jumping for the ball. You've got to use your arms to jump for a ball. Again, I've always said it. The idiots that make the rules have never kicked a ball in their life. <laughs> we'll say. And, 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 and Teresa said it's his knee. So if Teresa said that, it's, it must have been, you know. I've got to ask you, from your perspective, what do you think? Um, it annoys me when they stick up these free frames and say it's in that position. It's a totally false and fake way of showing it because... Players on the pitch are never still. It's completely different when you see a still shot of something happening than actually watching it live and actually the, watching the players' move, the players' movement and what they're doing. I mean, you can freeze frame anything and make it look a certain way, 
Um, it, it's no way handball. It's off the knee first anyway, and it's an accidental handball. If it is so, it won't be given. So that's it. Cathy said on match of the day, he said uh, definitely on the knee. Uh, Wilfred Zaha once again proved to shoulder all the responsibility at Sellers Park with a well-taken winner. Cat Crystal Palace's terrific turnaround against managerless Wolves. Uh, Palace never looked back once Ed, of every edge of Eze had nodded level from a Michael Elise's pinpoint cross after 63 seconds into the second half. Zaha then took on Edwards, passed in his stride, drilling past Jose Sarr for his fifth goal of the season. And there was an interesting stat. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys picked up on the stat that so far this season, uh, Wilfred Zaha has scored as many goals as Wolves <laughs> have all season. And I thought it was a very interesting stat anyway. Um, we had to dig deep. We were playing well at the first half, but the goal was a massive blow, Zaha told BBC Sport, uh, after leading Palace in back-to-back -back home wins. But again, we have to come back from, from behind. Jim, I just want to touch on our two centre-halves. I know we did this last year. Okay, Obviously, they've had more time together. Gigi and Anderson... Uh, from a centre-half's perspective, please, your thoughts on what we have there. And secondly, a second follow-up question, uh, Eze, I understand he's been named in the initial 50-man squad that uh, Southgate had to name for uh, the World Cup. Obviously, that's going to get trimmed down massively to whatever it is, 24 players. But is he making a late run for the England team? Over to you. Uh, well, your first question was the two centre halves. Yeah, no, I, I think their the quality. They're probably as as good as any two partnership in the Premiership. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the Everton game, but one of them didn't sort of cover himself in glory for the first goal against Everton. But uh, no, I, they've got. I've got no problem with them. Sometimes I think maybe they could just talk a little bit more. I mean, the goal. That came in from Wolves, uh, the Triori at the back. He, if you watch, Mitchell was in that position, but because the Curry had let a player go, he's then come in to the centre to try because he thinks that's the most dangerous, and the ball's going over his head, and the guys are the free header. So maybe a little bit more talking. Just like even for them to talk to midfield players, to bring them into positions so that fullbacks or themselves aren't getting pulled about, they can deal with a man that they should be dealing with. And as far as Ez is concerned, well, why not? Uh, I haven't seen a more silkier midfield player go past people the way he does. Um, I think possibly it might be a little bit too early for him or late for him, whatever way you look at it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if Gareth Southgate is is like Patrick Vieira. I mean, Patrick's playing a lot of skillful players at the moment, as opposed to the last manager who was more defensive minded. And I think Gareth's a little bit like that. He's he's a bit more cautious in who he picks. But it wouldn't surprise me if he went. But I think it might just be a little bit late for him. Okay, Tim, can you have a look at the chat for us, Tim? Have you got anything? And go on, Ian, while Tim's having a look at the chat. Yeah, I think it's worth throwing in the names of Mark Gahey and Torek Mitchell as well. I, I, I don't know whether they're named in the 50-man squad, are they? Does anyone know in the chat? I would have I thought Gahey would know. definitely be, given that he was in the last England squad anyway. 
and the one before that, I think Tariq Mitchell was in. Um, I'm not saying they should necessarily go to Qatar, um, but uh, you know, because you know, there, there are a few centre halves actually, and um, on match of the day, they were talking about the uh, central pairing at Everton, of course, you know, Cody and Tarkovsky, um go both going as well. So, you know, there's a lot of competition there for all places, but I think Mark Gahey will have as good a chance as any Palace player of, of uh, making the cut, certainly in the 50-man squad. Um, well, I would I would take Gehi before, I mean, Tchaikovsky has just come into the, what well, we, we haven't heard nothing about him. He's not been in any squads. Gehi was in the last few squads. So, in yeah. the way the centre-halves are going down like flies, like, then I would say that he's probably the one Palace player that could be going to Qatar. So, but uh, the throwing names about Cody's been in the squad all the time, so he'll go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know about his mate, but they seem to be throwing any names about at the moment. <laughs> Indeed, and my travelling partner yesterday. And, yeah. and talking yeah. about Phil, and talking about fullbacks as well. I mean, the fullbacks <laughs> they're they're all going down, getting injured. So. Why not Tyrick Mitchell? I mean, he's good enough. But Do you think I've, he is, Jim? Do you really think he's good enough for England? Yeah, yeah. As a squad player, yeah. Because he's a very good defender and he gets forward really well. Uh, and I think the defense, defending part of it in the World Cup will probably be the most important thing. Because yeah. if, if... And I think that's why maybe Trent Alexander... Uh, Gareth is more worried about him because people go past him as if he's not there. You see Andy go past, past Tyrick Mitchell when he's defending? Not many. No, so he's got a chance. He's got a chance. Mm. Paul Bristow in the chat makes a very interesting point. The 50-man squad is between Gareth Southgate and FIFA and not even the players themselves know who's actually been named. So, really? Yeah, wow. so I, I picked up uh, Eze's name from talk talks on his sport talk sport earlier uh, and and they said that he was in it but how they actually know that I don't know yeah but, well, well surely if if Eze's in it so is so is Torrent Mitchell and, and Mark Gahey Must I don't know but don't call me Shirley uh, Tim so yeah Luke uh, Luke Cooper's got a good stat uh, here's a stat Liverpool have not won away from home this season and the only other team is Crystal Palace a good point a couple of people um, have mentioned Macca as being a big loss, um, which I agree. But on the flip side, look at Macca's age. And even if he was fit, we wouldn't have him for too many seasons. So I think we kind of need to start looking past Macca a bit and, and looking at future players. Um, a couple of people have also mentioned Gaeta, and it seems that he's not too good at talking or, or communicating um, with the defenders. Jim, I don't know if you've noticed that or if that's something that, that, that you're aware of, but a few people um, have mentioned it. Uh, just seeing if there's anything else. Uh, Paul Grant, very brave Paul, disagrees. He said, sorry, Jim, Tyreek Mitchell is nowhere near good enough for England. So an interesting, um, an interesting difference of opinion. But it's all about opinions, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's it is, I mean, my only concern about Guay, the, the point about Guaita and Jim, you'll know from your past that you need to have confidence in your goalkeeper. He, when he comes, he doesn't come for a cross. He punches a cross. Mm -hmm. uh, he punched on, I think it was on Tuesday night, three times he cleared by punching. 
good punches, but he only needs to miss one of those. Uh, and, it, you know, it falls through a different, uh, an attacker and it ends up in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've spoken about that before, haven't we? That if he's got a weakness, it's coming for crosses. But, I mean, I don't mind if he comes for crosses and punches them and punches any player while he's doing it, as long as he gets the ball out of the box. As far as communication is concerned, I wouldn't know. I mean, the only thing I ever see them do is high fives and knuckles on the pitch. Better <laughs> half makes an ordinary tackle and everybody's high fiving them. I'm thinking, well, he's getting 100 grand a week for doing that. <laughs> well said. So, um, go on in. Yeah, just, just one more comment from the chat. Uh, my travelling partner yesterday, Yasmin Broom, uh, reminds us that Gareth Southgate was at the game yesterday. And um, if you watch that performance from Palace, he might not be taking too many Palace players based yeah, on that 90 minutes. Great point, um, yeah. Even though she thinks that Eze should be going to the World Cup. Right. So uh, we're going to move on to the Everton game. Now, ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, and by the way, remiss of me not to thank you all for giving up your Sunday evening. Um, on Thursday, I uh, was asked to appear on a Everton podcast. It was only a brief appearance, you'll be glad to know. And I made the point that um, Everton uh, hadn't had lost their last their previous three games. Palace were unbeaten in three, so in my in my mind, there was something there to give. All they needed to do was take control of the midfield yesterday, and they would win the game. Although I did predict at the end of it a draw. I thought we, I thought it'd be a score draw. I got that bit wrong clearly, but uh, my point. I made about the midfield and what Everton needed to do, I think was absolutely valid. I mean, the other thing, the other little stat that comes to mind, Calvert-Lewin hadn't scored a goal all season. Who do you call? Oh, let's call Crystal Palace and we'll put one past him. And what was it in the 11th minute? Away he goes. Ian, again, Yasmin, and this goes out to you as well and everybody else that made the trip. Hats off to you. That was an awful journey home and I hope you got home safe and well. Uh, talk to us about yesterday, mate. Yeah, well, you know, first, um, I was to say the first moment of note really was uh, was um, the goal that you just talked about. But look, there's the lineup. Um, interesting, they used Luka Milivojevic in the graphic. Um, I think it was his first start of the season for us. And um, possession-wise, we actually had 54. We had more possession than Everton. It didn't feel like it in the ground. Uh, nine shots each. They had six on target to our two. Uh, corners was even and fouls were even, you know, so... There's not a lot in it, really. It's game, you know, a bit like the Wolves game. Hardly anything in it in terms of possession and stats um, between us at all. Um, but they had a shot on goal before they scored. Um, it was Wilf actually lost the ball. He tried to dribble it across his own penalty area and he lost the ball. And they had a shot on target, which Guita saved. But then it was Luca that was dispossessed by Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who, who shoved him in the back. And Luca went down like a, tack, you know, a sack of spuds, expecting to get a free kick. And of course, it wasn't given. You know, we've talked before on the show about the referees are allowing more to go this season. I think if that's last season, it's probably given, but it wasn't. And, um, you know, he's quickly in on, on or in front, you know, not quite in on goal. And he actually nutmegs Mark Gay here. And, and Jim alluded to this earlier. I think that's what you were referring to, Jim, when uh, Mark Gay, he didn't cover himself in glory. Uh, he was nutmegged by by Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And he's just through on, one-on-one with Guita and he makes no mistake. And uh, he can't believe he thinks all his Christmases have come at once. Um, you know, we had a few efforts in the first half. Um, not very good ones. Luca fired a shot wild over the bar. 
Um, Gordon had a shot that Guita saved, tipped over the bar. And Zaha's shot was easy, an easy save for Pickford. Um, didn't really get hold of it. Uh, and that was the first half. You know, blinking, you missed it. There wasn't a lot to it. After they scored, they never really threatened again Everton in that first half. And actually, we started the second period better. Um, Edouard um, really got the ball caught up under his feet a little bit. He was in the penalty area. He passed it wide to Ayu, who crossed it, did nothing wrong with the cross. And Elise was almost there. And um, it was just their the, the defender just got a toe in. It was a, probably our best chance of the game. And it came at 1-0. Um, Alisi then had a free kick on the right-hand side. And he went for goal and he curled it in. And it just it went over the bar and it hit the roof of the net. So, again, it wasn't a million miles away. But, again, you know, not on target and and, and not going to count. Um, and then, oh, what's my notes? I'm trying to see my notes here. Um, yeah, they're, they're, oh, this was their goal, I think. You know, they're, they're, they, they created a move across the pitch. Um, their left back, can't remember his name, he had a shot. Uh, Vincente saves it. But, you know, I've seen some people say, should he have held that? You know, it was a good effort and he, he got his hand down to it. But you, I think I've seen other goalkeepers save that kind of shot and hold on to it. Um, maybe being super critical there, but then he gets the tap in. Now, the linesman flags for offside. Like He thinks that um, Gordon, who's done the tap in, is offside. He's not. He's miles onside. So the lineman gets it horribly wrong. Without VAR, that that goal is is chalked off, um, and it yeah the 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 uh, the delay in the ground was two or three minutes, and it was checking disallowed goal because at that stage it's been ruled out, and of course um, they um, it, it's given rightly so of course you know it's given, and and Nick as you alluded to in your in your little cameo with the Everton pod. Um, we were overrunning midfield. We we never got hold of the midfield at all. Um, and and, I, and to caveat that, Ian, uh, obviously Decore suspension, MacArthur's injury. Yeah, I get all that. I do understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. It was, it was an area that I don't know. I, I don't know why he played Milivojevic over Hughes. If I'm honest with you, I know Hughes is coming back from an illness. Uh, but if he's fit enough for the bench, he's fit enough for the match day. And I think yeah. uh, uh, Hughes would have been more combat combative in the midfield. Well, I think it's, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think he probably thought, given De Curé was unavailable and Luca played <laughs> in the same position, that it was an ideal opportunity to give him a game. You know, but I think that's his. I don't think he's going to get another chance in the Premier League. I really don't. That graphic didn't play well at all. And of course, he got taken off in the second half, um, which was fine. But he also took Elise off. He was probably our most dangerous player going forward, you know, and I do not get why he took Elise off at all. Um, and I know he brings another offensive player on in Mateta and he brings uh, he brings Slup on, I think, didn't he then, at the same yeah. time? But I really didn't understand why Elise was substituted yesterday. I would have kept him on um, if it was down to me. And then there was that melee, which I think, uh, nice, we're going to put the graphic up again. Uh, it really kicked off. It really did. Uh, Wilf was in the mix there, you know, he, he was involved and uh, ended up picking up a yellow card with Mark Gahey um, for the foul. Well, Gahey, um, yeah, yeah, he was involved, wasn't he? I think he picked up a yellow card at that point in that melee. Yeah. Players. It was all a bit crazy, but, um, you know, uh, tempers overran a bit there. 
Um, and then, oh, goodness me, um, Gray got a yellow card, but I thought Mark Gay was a bit lucky, really. He, 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 I think he won the ball, but he really came in from behind. And at one point, I thought he was going to get a second yellow, but it wasn't given. Um, one moment I think that we do need to talk about as a positive from yesterday was the introduction of uh, Malcolm uh, on the right wing. He had a few little touches that looked good, and it would be nice to see a little bit more of him. So it was good that he got some minutes. Um, but, you know, when you're 2-0 down and you're chasing the game a little bit, you do leave yourself open at the back. And, um, you know, they've got some strength in depth. Dwight McNeil, he was ever-present for Burnley, I think. You know, he's a, you know, he's always been a player that can do do something a little bit magic. And he certainly did yesterday for their third goal. Really good goal. It was his run from deep. And he played that one-two. And it was a great goal. Uh, and just as we, you know, it looks like we're going to get nothing out of it at all. And the game was over by then. Um, then we had Eze free kick, which was wild and over the bar at the end. So, you know, we lose 3-0 and just a bad day at the office, really. You know, it's one of those he's got to put down to experience and move on to the next game and um, try and forget all about it and learn from those mistakes. But I think if Cechi Decura had been playing, I'm not saying we would have, wouldn't have would have lost, but it would have been a bit closer than 3-0. I don't think we would have uh, gone in 1-0 down at half-time. I think it would have been 0-0 and um, who knows how it would have affected the outcome. So we've, ended, so we've ended the weekend we ended the weekend on top position as you can see there. Um it was a, I think it, it's still a little bit concerning. I think we're four points above the bottom the bottom three. Uh and it's yeah, you know, it's not great. Uh Jim, just give us a, a quick overview yourself. What did you think of yesterday's performance? Did any of them turn up? Uh, well, no, we didn't. We didn't play well. We didn't play probably as well as as Patrick would have liked us to. Um, I think we gave them two goals. You've already alluded to Luca getting caught on the ball. I, I only saw highlights of it. I don't think for a minute it was a free kick. Strength knocked him off the ball, and it went out and then come back in. And I don't know what Mark Gay was doing. But he, he uh, Sunday tied his laces together by the looks of it, and he got round the back of him and, and scored a good goal. And I definitely think the goalkeeper was at fault for the second goal. So that's two mistakes that you could have gone in like the last half hour, still nil nil. But we did miss the Curry. I mean, I think the guy is proven to be to be one of the best buys. That we've probably had. Uh, he's got everything. He's tackling. He's work rate. Uh, he's got to grips with the pace of the Premiership now. But I do question Patrick Vieira playing three midfield players away from home, and two of them are really attacking players. Uh, put put the left winger in on that, and even Ayu. You know, I think we need to be a bit stronger in the middle of the park. So sometimes maybe either play four across there. I think you're asking a lot of Eze and Elise to be proper defenders in the middle of the park. They're very much flair players. They, don't get me wrong, they work hard, but they lack experience as well in that, that particular area. And I sometimes think maybe play five across the middle, one up front, you can still break from there. Uh, play four across the middle. I just think it's a little bit too open uh, It's it, against certain teams. And Everton are struggling a little bit. They've lost the last three games. 
a home team, they've got a big crowd, they're a decent side, and uh, maybe tactically we weren't right. And I agree. And on that subject, thank you, Tim, I'm coming to you, because uh, tactically, uh, Mark, by the way, uh, Mark Callaghan in the chat, Jim, says, you know, we could always go 4-4-2 away from home. And yeah, and it's basically what you're talking about. Uh, Tim, talk to me about your concerns. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with a couple of caveats in that um, I definitely think Vieira is the right man for the job. Um, I love what he's doing. Uh, and he has alluded several times that he thinks we're a few players or a couple of players uh, short uh, from where he'd like to be. But I do, I do have concerns that too many times now we've started slowly or too many times the squad doesn't seem to be going out onto the pitch and doing what he wants them to do. I wonder if there's a breakdown. I wonder if the communication is not quite right. Do the players need to take some responsibility for that? But it just, it just concerns me. It's happening too often. And we're only four points above um, the relegation zone. And if you look at the percentage, the win, lose and draw percentage for Vieira against some of the other as is now on the screen, you know, the draws are the big one, the percentage draws. Um, but how much of it is the lack of players? How much is it he's not communicating or the team isn't picking it up? But something something has to be, you know, we keep being told it's the best team we've had for years. It's the most attacking team. It's this, it's that, it's the others. But a lot of games, if you look, how many saves do the other keepers have to make? Or how you know, quite often not that many, and quite often, as Jim said earlier on, especially this season, a lot of games were starting really slowly. And it's it's taken a bottle or a telling off, should I say, at half time to get the team going. Now, once, twice, all right, it happens. Yeah, everyone has off games, but it just seems with the team we've got, even with the injuries, something isn't gelling, or it's not something this season isn't to my mind, going quite right. I don't quite know what it is, but as I said, I still think Vieira is the man for the job, but something's not quite right there. Nick, you're on mute. Thank, thank you, Ralph. You, you probably echo a lot of people's views. Yeah, there, there are concerns creeping into the fan base. I've noticed that, uh, but I've not seen anybody actually say he's not the right man. Um, Jim, uh, in the chat, somebody's just asked. I can't. Sorry, I can't remember who he was. I mean, it was Brett, I believe. Brett asked um, out of the current squad. Okay, if if all thing all our ducks are lined up, who would you drop in the squad? Who would I drop? Yeah. <clears throat> what from the the team that played on Saturday? Or... I think you, you probably say most of them. I know. <laughs> no, I think we get a good side. I mean, obviously the the. The last few home games, we've started really slow. And when you go 1-0 down the Premiership, it's a battle because we're not prolific goal scorers. And suddenly, you've got to score two goals to get anything out of the game. Well, to win the game. So, I mean, I would like to see another... I think we miss somebody like Kuwati, the, the big midfield player that went. And, and I think if he was playing alongside Dukari now we would have a much better team. Um, the only person I would probably leave out would be Luca, because he's 
there's better players in in the squad than him. Uh, I suppose you could say you could do with a a, a younger right back. Um, but, but but Ward but Ward is brilliant week in week out. So uh, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't actually leave. Well, unless you could get Erlen Haaland to play up front, <laughs> I wouldn't leave any out. I mean, I think uh, Eduardo's starting to look a better player. Uh, I'd like him to hold the ball up a little bit better because I think sometimes in possession we win the ball and we have a couple of little touches and then we lose it again because we're either not concentrating or we try to hit the, the, the perfect pass. So I think our build-up, we, we need to hold on to the ball a little bit more and I'm sure Patrick wants to do that as well. Rather have two or three more passes to get the ball in rather than try to hit that perfect pass all the time. But yeah, I, it's hard to say who you'd leave out because we look a good side, but we need a more ex- another experienced midfield player. I mean, if we had Maka and the Curry playing now, then obviously Ayu or Elise, one of them probably wouldn't play on a regular basis, but they, they, would, they would be important members of the squad. So I think the midfield needs to be a little bit better. I think that's where we fall down. We don't get, even at home, we don't get a grip of the game. We do in stages where we look good and we go, the, the two lads like Eze and Elise get the ball and they go at people, but it's fleeting. It's not consistent. It's not on a, a sort of 30 minutes out of 45 minutes where we're on the ball and we're passing it. Um, so I do think I would like to see something else in the middle of the park along the lines of, Micah. Yeah, and I think I can't, uh, Ian, I'm coming to you next. Tim had his hand up first. Tim. Yeah, just just follow up. I mean, Teresa's comment about you know we are such a fickle fan base. I don't think that's fair. It's not a fickle fan base. I think we're entitled to to pull up. You know, if this was two seasons ago under Hodgson, there'd be a lot of comments about it. There'd be a lot of people talking. I do find and I do pick up that it seems to be. Um, or you can't criticise Vieira, or you, you can't question his decisions, or it's Vieira. I think that's wrong. I think you have to. I think when you see something like that, I think everyone, I think we're ter- perfectly entitled to to raise concerns or to raise observations. It's not a fickle fan base. It's 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 the opposite, because you, because you want things to get better. You want things to improve. You want to see your club progress and play better football and get better. And we have... But it's just at the moment there seems to be something not gelling. That's all. Okay. Well, in the next couple of weeks, Teresa, I'm going to get you and Tim and lock you both in the broom cupboard. Then, okay, and you can bash it out amongst yourself. And Tim, I know there'll only be one winner, mate, and it ain't you, uh, Ian. Yeah, I mean, from my part, you know, who would we replace? We need an upgrade at right back. Okay, let's be clear. We need an upgrade at right back. We need a creative midfield player. We've never properly replaced Conor Gallagher from last season. We need someone that can create a midfield, box-to-box type midfield player. And we need a goal scorer, a proper goal scorer. Um, now, I don't think Edward's the man. I don't think Matessa's the man long term. Um, we need someone else in that is is a, you know, really does know where the goal is. Now, I've watched a lot of football recently. Um, I thought the coverage on Amazon last week was fantastic. I watched the Fulham game on Thursday night. I thought Mitrovic was brilliant. He had about six or seven good opportunities. You know, he only got his penalty. He got the one goal. 
but he was in the right place at the right time all the time. And he was unlucky not to have had a hat trick. Um, you know, I didn't, I haven't seen the goals today, um, but he scored again today. He scores every bloody week, that bloke. If we had a Mitrovic or even an Ivan Tony in our team, then I think that would make a huge difference. You know, we need a, a proper goal scorer that, you know, really does know where that goal is. And I don't think Edouard and Matessa are, are, are those players. I really don't. Uh, fair enough. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna go on in a second. Just have a quick look at all the other teams at the club and just see how they did over the weekend. Jim, you met. I know this is a Crystal Palace podcast, but you mentioned him a minute ago, and I want to ask you your opinion on that animal that is Harland. Okay, tell me what that bloke is. I mean, the guy is a monster, and he's not. He's a freak, isn't he? He's a. He's a. He don't belong on this planet. I mean, how many goals he got? He's got. He's only. He only needs about half a dozen more goals, and he's got the golden boot from last year, isn't he, or something? Yeah. He's. Yeah. I didn't realize. I, I mean, you only see him in fleeting things on the telly when he's when he was playing at uh, um, Dortmund. You, you know, he scored a lot of goals, and you see highlights. But his movement and his he's grease lightning. I mean, for a guy that's watched the quickness of him over 10, 15 yards is just scary. And the goal he got yesterday, we, I mean, let's face it, the, the lad Webster's a big old centre-half, and he just barged him out of the way and put the ball in the back of the net. He's mm. just, he's on another planet, that guy. He's on another planet. Absolutely. He's Do you know what the sad thing is, Jim? The sad thing is he's not going to be at the World Cup. Which is yeah, crazy, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. yeah well. Another a, another a Scotland, but that's another subject. Come on, Nigel. Let's have let's have a look at some of the results from around the club. So this is the ladies sadly went down 3-0 away at Bristol City. Uh, I think Bristol now is top of the league. They're a, a pretty decent outfit, as you can see. Um it said what it does go to prove. I've been to see the last two uh, Palace women's home games uh, and we lost both of those. I'm glad I didn't go to see the Bristol game, so clearly it isn't just me. They're on a poor run of form at the moment. The under-21s, this is a good result. Away at Man City, okay, held them 3-3 away, which is a particularly good result. How they do, Nigel? Uh, as you can see, Palace are top of the league uh, with Man City sitting in, 20, uh, in second place. So the uh, under eight, they're doing really well. What else we got, Nigel? Hey, on, on coming to next, and the under 18 got stuffed away at Leicester City 5 1. Um, and yeah, they're going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment, but they are still second in, in the league behind West Ham United, so not so bad. Are we done, Nigel? Uh, oh, there you go, Jim. What? Hello? Yeah, I thought you had your hand up. No, I was having a lot of scratch. <laughs> but, uh, was it in an unnatural position? It. It was in an unnatural position, yeah. Very yeah good, it was in an unnatural position. I get a yellow card for that. Right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, it's been... Go on, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. Ian, over to you. Yeah, we just uh, we haven't done this for a little while, but we thought we'd just... Uh, get the uh, competitions out. So uh, we've got Super 6 going this season for Red and Blue. There's Red and Blue Review Super 6 League. And Nigel Croucher, who's our producer, is top of the Super 6 League. And I have fallen like a stone into eighth place. So there's your top 10. 
and there's the others. And where's Nick Philpot? I can't not see his bottom, name at all not anywhere. Bottom of the league. Oh, yeah, you are. 29th, mate. Yeah. Bad luck. Out of 32. Yeah. No change, Eddie. <laughs> so, congratulations, Nigel. You're top of that league at the moment. And we have 145 people in our red and blue review fantasy Premier League mini league. Um, Olga's Warriors are top. Uh, well done to Olga's Warriors on 793 points. Um, there'll be a few more added after the bonus points for today's game and the final match of this game week are added. But um, they're doing really well. 22,000th in the game, which is an incredible achievement. Um, well done to them. Now, the one that's second, leave the league up, Nigel. The one that's second is Easy uh, Come, Easy Go. And that's the same name as my team, but I put an exclamation mark on the end of it, all right? And I'm 64th in the league. Uh, 691 points. So I'm only 102 points behind the leader at the moment. And I'm ranked about 2 million. So we've got some way to go. It's great fun. I love FPL. As I said, I was on the train yesterday coming back, chatting to this Liverpool fan. And she said, I'm so, um, what did she say to me? I'm, I'm addicted to it. I'm absolutely addicted to FPL. And um, it's great because you do actually watch other games with a bit of interest. So I'm watching Mitrovic as, as if he's my player um, the other night for Fulham. Uh, so um, well done to everyone that's taking part. And we look forward to um, the rest of the season. So thanks for indulging me and uh, showing those league tables. There you go, Nick. Thank you. Any final comments in the chat, Tim? Um, people talk about the Southampton game. Daniel Garlic reckons we should stuff them 3-1. Wouldn't that be nice? Um Oh, come Goals, on, let's have, let's have your predictions. I'll be 3-0 uh, Palace. There you go. 3-0 Palace. What? Really? Yeah. Yep. Remember what I used to say on Grange Hill? Just say no. Jim Cannon, <laughs> your uh, your thoughts, please, on the Southampton game. 2-1. Okay. We'll be 1-0 down at half time, and we'll win 2-1. Standard. <laughs> uh, Mr. Noble. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 2 1 Palace as well. Such and an so, easy prediction. And so has Fergus. Facebook user's gone 2 0. Theresa Baker's gone 2 1 Palace. George has gone a Desmond. And that's all I can see on there at the moment. Uh, we're we're going to draw a line under it there. Uh, please don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you fancy joining our World Cup Predictions League, uh, all you need to do is drop your uh, email address in the chat right now and we'll pick it up after the show. Look out for an email from Ian Lyons tomorrow and you know, you'll get your entry process underway. We've still got a couple of weeks before that all kicks off. Uh, Ian and Tim, thank you as always. Uh, and Ian, are you back next week? Yeah, I'll be back next week. And so, ladies and gentlemen, is our hero, Jim Cannon. Thank you, Jim, as always, mate. No problem. And I'll see you next Sunday as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, bit of a mixed week, really. Okay, keep your chin up. Don't forget... Uh, we might still be beyond that lockdown on the South Coast, but we've got a game in hand over them, and it is them. And we will win that and jump them in the league. On behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and my wonderful team, have a good, safe week. Take care. Good night. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night, all. Cheers, guys. Good night. Good night.